Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Jerry, no 15-game win streak, but two eight-game win streaks. Which is better? Uh, boy, I'll, living in the now, I'll take the two eight-game win streaks. <laughs> it's plus two, you know? pretty fun i mean like what what just got into this team is unbelievable over the course of this month and obviously a lot of it keyed by julio i certainly want to ask you about his great run that he had especially last weekend but you know what has gotten into this team uh, you know everybody it's it's funny how it's all so contagious and you know just having spent the last 10 days on this road trip and you know eight and two and truly every single player on the roster contributed positively to, to the outcomes. And, you know, whether it was a big hit or clean innings and just giving us a chance and, and passing the baton, the whole lineup, up and down the lineup, everybody was hitting, everybody was swinging at good pitches, that there was a focus that, that frankly was exciting to watch. And, you know, and our pitching, like it has been, you know, generally answers the call, you know, day after day. And, Right now we're playing the best baseball that we've played all year long and, and, and really just great baseball, period. How welcoming was the air conditioning on that flight home, you think, <laughs> yesterday afternoon? <laughs> yeah, I know Scott got on the flight. I, you know, the, the, this is he got on and he said, I got to tell you, that was one of the five hottest games I've ever been on the field for. And I said, yeah, it was nice and cool inside. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, the guys, the, the guys really had to grind through it. 10 day road trips really, you know, with no days off they get on you and it's a grind. And yesterday, how hot it was out there and, and just the type of game that was played, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it was great to see our guys make what, what I thought was an awesome comeback in the end. And we lost in a weird way, but the, the effort level is so high right now. And the, the, the focus, again, as I said before, is just at an extreme, in an extreme place. And, and it's, it was never more apparent than the last couple of innings of yesterday's game when after such an awesome road trip on such a hot day with such a grinder, and, you know, and, and facing a starting pitcher yesterday who, you know, frankly, was going to be really hard to hit because you just couldn't get settled in the batter's box. And, and, you know, the guys found a way and, and they grind through. And I think everybody comes out of that trip with a, with a great feeling about where we're at. Yeah, understandable too. I mean, what a what a just sort of weird, crazy way for it to end. One thing, and I want to get to Julio here in a sec, but one thing we were trying to kind of guess along with and try to figure out what happened is is the decision to go with Munoz in the ninth yesterday. Not that that in and of itself is odd, but with him having pitched the day before and Brash hadn't gone in a couple of days, I guess the first question is, is Matt Brash okay? Yeah, that's great. You know, he, he came out of the series with Houston, feel a little banged up, and we were trying to give him a few extra days. Uh, our our pitching staff in general has has really carried a lot of the water, and, and Matt, especially through that Kansas City series and, and on into Houston, picked up a lot of it. Mooney had only thrown four pitches uh, the night before last, and I think four pitches, three strikes, cleaned it up pretty quickly. And and he's generally been you know, the go-to in that position anyway. So it was it wasn't a very difficult decision, and it was made easier by the fact that we were hoping to give Matt one more day. You know, in addition to today's off day, to give him a chance to really be ready for this weekend. Okay, makes I mean makes sense. And just sort of going back and looking at the game log, I mean, Brash pitched in what three of the four in Kansas City, and 
you know, how how careful do you have to be with some of those guys at this point? I'm even thinking about your starting pitching as we uh, will ask you here for in a moment about Hancock. Where is your depth at right now? You know, it's part of the reason why we uh, we quickly pivoted and picked up Luke Weaver uh, when when he was accessible to us. It's we're at a time in the in the baseball calendar where you don't have a lot of access to players that don't play in your own organization. So you know, being in tune with the transaction wire and and what's happening and. You know, in, in the, the non-traditional markets, you know, waiver wires, it's free agents, it's it's players without. That's where your depth's coming from if it's not from your own organization. But having lost Emerson with no Robbie Ray, with no Marco Gonzalez, you know, already having tapped into Bryce Miller and Brian Wu and then, you know, Emerson Hancock, there's there's only so far you can go before you, you start to wobble a little bit. And, and we, we left the house to go find a guy that we thought could help both in, in providing length in our bullpen and potentially stepping in if we needed a next depth starter. And, you know, we have a couple of guys in AAA who have experience in Tommy Malone and Adam Aller. But, you know, beyond that, it's we've got another month and a half to play, and, and our guys that have carried us are, are hopefully going to continue to carry us. Does that, just quickly here, does that, you know, last week we talked about the possibility of going to a six-man rotation. Where is that now today? You know, our most recent discussions, which were last night, uh, actually, our most recent discussions are, you know, we're at a place on the schedule where the off days are going to start helping us. And you're naturally going, and we said this, I think, last week or the week before on the show, that, you know, we are at a place where the off days are going to start helping us at a certain point, and the guys will get the extra days. And and the, obviously the pitcher that we are most uh, in tune with trying to, to make sure we help across the, the long season is Brian Wu. Uh, just because he's not done anything like it before. So you might see a skip start or, you know, some type of truncated start, but we're going to go with our, our five starters that are currently out there and we might, you know, get into a skip start situation, but we're not going to disrupt the other guys and let them continue to do the thing that they're doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it might've been a different story had we had Emerson, but even when we were talking about a six man, we were only talking about a six-man through the first week of September, which is when the schedule starts to give us a little bit of freedom. And, you know, so it was one, maybe two more starts, and, and you might see, like I said, something like a skip start or a shorter start, but but not a traditional six-man rotation. Well, to quote you right there, uh, not seeing something like it before, uh, that would be also Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> So, Jerry, the canvas is yours. Paint what you have seen over the last month, and in particular, breaking baseball history. I mean, my gosh, it was uh, it was phenomenal to watch, and you know what? And we've we've been waiting uh, for for Julio to to really bust out this year, and I, I say that, and it's it's almost comical that we look at his season, you know, coming into the All Star break. He's an elite defender in center field, an elite base runner, and he was having a slightly above average offensive season with, you know, with a lot of, you know, athletic traits, you know, the stolen bases were piling up, et cetera. And then he just took it to a different level. You know, he took elite, elite and added another elite to it. So, you know, it's, this is what Julio is capable of. And it's, it's, it's why the expectations are always so high and, and sometimes, like I've said, you know, we, we need to temper them because he is 22 and you're going to go through growing pains. But that's sure not the way it's looked for the last four or five weeks, and especially on this road trip where it's for I've had a chance to play with MVPs and Hall of Famers, and we've had 
you know, we've, we've had a lot of great players come through and I, I don't know too many of them that can change games the way he changed games for about a week straight where it was just unbelievable to watch. He was, was hotter than the sun. There are times you can see physical adjustments with players, right? Whether their hands or their stance in a swing or something of that nature. And there's times, I don't know, I, I'm not noticing any physical adjustment, but there's been obviously conversation with the hitting coach and, and, and he has. What have your eyes seen? Is it mental? Is it experience? Is it physical? If you were to just try to quantify how he went from elite to that upper, upper elite. Well, you know, I, I think some of it, and, and again, I don't want to attribute too much of this. We have talked about here before, like the, the notion that just getting past the, the, the burden or the, the expectations of, of the all-star game, of being in the home run contest, of being the hometown guy that everybody was looking at and taking a breather, you know, relaxing for a day or two is probably helpful. But from a, from an adjustment standpoint, a physical adjustment standpoint, he has made a pretty notable adjustment. You know, he's, he is not sinking into his legs as much as, as he did for most of the first half of the season. And, and it's probably not easily discernible for people who don't watch it closely every day. And, you know, our hitting coaches do a phenomenal job of staying on top of it. And, you know, and Julio coming out of the all-star break or might've been actually, you know, immediately after the all-star break, but Jared DeHart working on, on not getting into his legs so much, you know, that sink down bounce up kind of look. And, you know, he got a little bit taller in the box. He got a little bit more athletic in the box. And, you know, I think you're seeing the benefit is his bat is in the zone longer. He's not in and out. He can cover all kinds of pitches, and and as importantly, he's he's swinging at the right pitches. Yeah, so chamber, there has been a physical adjustment at Chambers tomorrow. I mean, that's something Salk really struggles with with the driver, Jerry. Sometimes you know he gets into his legs. I'm like, bro, just don't sink so you. much. What? How dare you? When, when you're a little more upright, it's, don't embarrass me in front of Jerry. <laughs> no, nah, when you're more upright, you just let that driver all right. run all the way through. Hey, we uh, we had an opportunity this week to talk to Josh Rojas for the first time. First of all, oh my gosh, wow. Brock and I were just completely blown away by him as a as a guy, as a thinker, at long answers, as a as a communicator. Talker. Are you worried about him taking your job at some point? Uh, you know, I'll take my chances, and if I do, it, it'll it'll probably be for the better for the organization. But the you know, there's a reason why we we've really kind of coveted Josh for a number of years. And one of our coaches actually asked me while we were on the road trip, you know, what was it about Rojas that, that, you know, really that we were attracted to. And sometimes with, with a player, it's, it's easy. It's, it's a tool. It's something that stands out. It's power. It's a feel to hit, you know, with Josh, it's just a feel to play baseball. And, you know, he has, it's a, the, I think, and you've identified it in, in a brief interaction, you know, the makeup is, awesome just he's he gets the game he's awesome in a clubhouse he's got aptitude on a field and he does a lot of little things on the field from solid defense to he's an excellent base runner with good instincts and and he's always hit right-handed pitching and we really did think when we made that deal that that he was a great bounce back candidate and I know it looked unusual on the surface and small sample size theater he's played very well for us but you know, at the same time, these are things that he has done before as a major league player. He's always been a good player, and and right now, you know, we're we're standing, we're we're reaping the benefits of believing in in who the person was. 
So two other questions about him then. One, you know, we spent a lot of time talking earlier this season about veteran leadership and where it would come from, et cetera. Is he one of those guys that, you know, sort of fills that role that you guys have been looking for? You know, he might be. He's, we don't have a ton of players who, who've been around and who've been through, you know, who've been through good seasons, who've played through playoff races and things like that, you know, with a lot of service time. And, and Josh isn't, you know, he's here for another couple of years beyond this and, and gives you, you know, that experience and, and that calming presence in a clubhouse. It's hard to tell this soon, you know, whether that will result in, in clubhouse leadership. I know that's the way they felt about him in Arizona. And, you know, he's obviously came up with the Houston organization, was traded to, the Diamondbacks and part of the reason why they were reluctant to include him in the trade was because of the impact he had in their clubhouse. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that that's how it turns out here, but I have no expectation. It's just that, you know, the sauce is so different in every place. And, and right now between JP, I thought, especially while JP was out with, with his concussion, you know, Eugenio Suarez, our whole group, Julio, you know, we had guys step up and, and really make the clubhouse an awesome place to be. And, you know, and, and Josh contributed to that. The other thing I, we noticed in talking to him, he, he paid you guys a compliment and saying that he was very open to coaching when he came in, he was going through some adjustments and said, all right, what do you guys see? Tell me what's going on. I respect the hitting coaches here. You guys know what you're doing. How, you know, we, we spent a long time early this year talking to you and with you about, about hitting coaches and the system and the way guys use their own personal coaches and your coaches. It, it must have been somewhat refreshing, I would think, to have a guy come in and say, hey, what do you want me to do? How can I help? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Josh did that. I know Dom Canzone did the same thing. And, you know, and our, our coaches were, were blown away with how open you know, to, to being coached they were, and, and which is a really good thing. And, and, and I wouldn't say super common among major league players. You know, you're, this is the top 1%. These guys are the best players alive today. And, and as a result, you're going to have to really show them something to, to sway them on what they should or shouldn't do. But, uh, I, these guys clicked immediately with our group and, and the results, like I said, have been, you know, really positive so far. That's uh, all you can ask of your players is for them to be open-minded because we do have, we, we have good programs. We have great staff. And, and I think right now when you've got such good mojo, there's a, you know, there's a vibe around our team. Everybody wants to get involved. And, and right now, like I said, the players, the coaches, it's, a, it's, it's really clicking on all cylinders. Jerry, it was really fun for us yesterday to have Hall of Famer John Smoltz on the show. And John is not short on opinion when it comes to some of the old school belief and philosophies versus some of the new, new age numbers and data and everything else. And, and you know, he's got strong opinions, a great conversationalist. He also feels very strongly about arm health and pitching health. And I am just curious, now that you're in this business on this side of it, and you also pitched in the era that John pitched, were guys getting banged up and arm injuries as significant then? And obviously, I'm asking you this with the Otani news of late last night, as they seem to be today? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's funny. Um, Smolty and I were on a, a board together and major league board and this dates back to like uh, 2014, 15, 16, you know, the, a handful of years with, you know, other former pitchers and, and a couple of, of, you know, prominent baseball people that, uh, and, and this was our discussion matter every other week for, for a couple of years was, was how do we, you know, 
create a more a, a healthier environment for pitcher development. And and we we were talking about frankly we were talking about little league on up. How can we you know with the 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 impact of of velocity with the impact of what we now know about creating spin on the baseball, you know is there is there a way we can get out in front of the potential for injury. But if we look back on it, you know, it's a, the, the game has changed so much from even from 30 years ago when we were playing or, or the 30 years prior to that, you know, you weren't throw, seeing a whole lot of guys throw at the kind of velocity they throw at now. You weren't seeing pitchers throwing 60, 70% breaking balls. And, you know, but once the genie's out of the bottle, you're not putting that one back in. When, when somebody knows they can throw 98, they're not going to say, oh, I prefer throwing 88. <laughs> they, they like the idea of throwing hard. And, and, you know, so the game has adapted to these physical skills. And, and as such, starting pitchers don't pitch quite as long. Relievers have taken on a more prominent role. I do think that there's, you know, the potential for you know, learning more about injury as we move forward. We don't really know if, if this is, you know, there are as many injuries, if not more now than there, than there were then. But there were injuries then. And, and Smoltz is a great example. You know, he was on the shelf for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It's, it happens when you're, when you're propelling a ball forward at the rates that these guys do. Gosh, and certainly we've seen it this year. I mean, your pitching has been the best in baseball, and yet it's overcome Marco and Robbie and Penn Murphy and now Emerson Hancock and, you know, and I'm certain other guys that have, have worked through some issues. What, um, what is the latest with Emerson and, and the prognosis moving forward? You know, M was going to be, it was going to be a six to eight week thing for him with, uh, with his, it's a, it's a lat in back of his right shoulder, which is, you know, generally bothered him in the past. If, if, you know, going back to his, his draft year in 2020, it's, it's been a, a, a sometimes repetitive thing that jumps up and grabs him. It delayed the start to his 2022 season. You know, obviously it, it, it shortened his 2023 season. You know, so we're looking into what we can do uh, to try to prevent this from moving forward. Anything from diet and nutrition to different, you know, strength and, and training programs. Emerson's open to that. But once we understood that it was going to be, you know, a six to eight week thing, obviously that puts us at season's end. And, you know, with just a, a handful of major league outings under his belt, we thought the wisest thing to do is just shut him down and, and get him moving toward 2024. Any update on, uh, on Jared Kelnick this morning? Uh, no, just that he's out of his boot. You know, he is starting to go through his baseball programs. We don't yet have a timeline simply because, you know, his, his foot's not healed. You know, his foot, there was, it, there's enough healing that he's now out of the boot and can start going through, you know, more physically exerting uh, activity. What that results in in return to, to play, not quite sure yet. We don't have a hard program, but as I said before, and then, you know, Scott and I laughed about it on the plane last night. Whatever we determine the, the timeline is, I'm guessing it's going to be quicker than that. Yeah, that's weird. I saw him on Tiger Mountain with a weighted vest and, and heavy weighted bats. <laughs> I think he's itching to, itching to come back. Hey, you were up in the air conditioning, not in the heat and humidity. Do you, are you a little bit like the rest of us? Do you scoreboard watch? Do you find yourself watching the game and flipping over to, to whatever site you can to see what else is going on in baseball? Oh, now you do. And, you know, and, the, and whoever tells you when you get – you don't in May, you don't in June, you know, once you get into the dog days and, and it's on, you do. And, you know, we now see the, the finish line is, is there. You see where it is, you see where you stand and, and nobody's not watching. And, you know, for the players, they're focused on the game on the field and 
they're going to turn around and look from time to time or certainly pick up the phone when they get into the clubhouse. Uh, you know, minimally, everybody's watching highlights or, or game day feeds on, on bus rides. So it's, we're just at that time of year, and it's this is the fun of being in a playoff race. It's the same for the players and the staff it is, as it is for the fans. It, it's fun. You know, it's, a, it's exciting. You see what's happening around you, and, you know, the, the key is to not let it affect what you're doing on the field. But, you know, it's, this is the time of year that you want to be in a position like we're in, and you want to watch the scoreboard. Must have been kind of fun getting to cheer for Seawalt at the end of the game the other day, too, right? I mean, at least at least you're already rooting for the guy, and then you get a chance to watch him help you out. That's kind of a, a nice situation. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you about, this is sort of an odd one, but being hit by pitches. And you guys lead the major leagues in being hit by pitches last year. Right now you're at 90 for the season. That's more than all of last year, where I think the number was 89, which was fourth or fifth in baseball is that a concern? Is it a badge that you wear proudly? How do you look at that? You know, it's a, it's I, in a weird way, it's a skill, you know, and we have a couple of players for whom it's a skill. And, and that, that sounds weird. No hitter goes up there thinking, boy, I'm going to get hit by this one. <laughs> There's a, but, you know, between Ty France and Jose Caballero, especially, it is a skill for them. They, you know, they both crowd the plate. They both don't give up ground. They have a history of being hit by pitches. And, and I don't think that, that it's – they're not being hit by pitches because they're being headhunted. They're being hit by pitches because that's a skill of theirs. And, and it contributes to their own base. It contributes to, to moving the, the lineup. And, you know, as – and I, I, I asked Ty this. You know, this might have been last year he got hit uh, on the, the – there was three or four straight nights that he got hit on his arm guard. And I said, I said, what does that feel like when you get hit on the arm guard? He said, Oh, it hurts. <laughs> There's a, it's, it's unpleasant. And, you know, I, it, they're not up there trying to get hit and, you know, but we do tend to get hit more than most. We're, I, it's part of our personality, you know, and, and especially the, the personality of this team of the 2023 Mariners We're you know, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a grinder team. It's a depth team. They get under your skin and, 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 and when that's happening and you're in the box and you're crowding it, it feels emotional when cabbie gets plunked, but in the reality, and for the most part, I will say there's, there are times where this may not be true. The reality is it's always been a part of their skill set, and it's just going to happen over the course of time. His skill set is almost like a hockey player. He's like, you know, he's kind of he's kind of got some of that irritant hockey player in him, doesn't he? You know, it's funny, and I and I you may or may not remember this when in the in the early spring when the Kraken were were making their good run and they went toward the the postseason. Our teams are not too dissimilar. It's the it's it's deep, you know, the fourth line of of our team right now. You're seeing that depth pay off, and and you know, in baseball, it is such a 26 man game. So much of the roster needs to contribute, just like in hockey. And you know, and Cabby is that guy. He's you know, he's the grinder. He's the he's not afraid. He'll go battle the giant, and he doesn't care who you are. And and I think that's a it's a personality trait. We hope he always keeps. Mm. Jerry, thank you. Uh, really fun baseball here over the course of the last uh, few months and especially over the last couple of weeks. We appreciate it. We'll do it again next Thursday in the middle of the homestand. All right, guys. Look forward to it.